يا اهلا وسهلا فيكم ببرنامجكم سماشي كريبتو اللي بنجيب لكم فيه كل الاخبار المتعلقه بعالم العملات الرقميه طبعا، واليوم بدنا نحكي لكم عن التقلبات اللي عم نشوفها باسواق العملات الرقميه تحديدا بدنا نحكي عن البيتكوين، عن الاثيريوم وايضا بدنا نحكي عن دوله عم تعتمد عمله البيتكوين كعمله قانونيه وعم تدرس هذا الموضوع بشكل رسمي، وفي الختام رح يكون معنا مقابله مهمه جدا، رح تكون ايضا مسليه، رح نحكي فيها عن تقلبات السوق شو عم بيصير بأسواق العملات الرقمية وبالإضافة إلى ذلك بدنا نحكي عن تأثير العملات الرقمية على البيئة وغيرها من الكثير من المواضيع فخليكم معنا ونحكي عن تقلبات اللي عم تصير بالعملات الرقمية وتحديدا عملة البيتكوين صناديق ومنتجات بيتكوين شهدت نزوحا قياسيا للتدفقات خلينا نحكي بالأسبوع الماضي كله يعني تقريبا مع استمرار حذر المستثمرين تجاه أكبر عملة مشفرة في العالم وبلغت تدفقات النازحة من بيتكوين 141 مليون دولار في الأسبوع المنتهي في الرابع من يونيو حزيران وهو ما يمثل تقريباً 8.3% من صافي التدفقات اللي استقطبتها هذا العام ومنذ بداية العام ما زالت بيتكوين تظهر اجتذاب تدفقات قدرها 4.2 مليار دولار وأظهرت البيانات أيضاً أن قطاع العملات المشفرة ككل عانى نزوحاً للتدفقات بلغ 94.2 مليون دولار الاسبوع الماضي لحاله وتراجعت عمله البيتكوين يوم الثلاثاء حيث ضربت نوبه اخرى من الضعف سوق العملات المشفره وانخفض اكبر رمز رقمي بنسبه 6% تقريبا في مرحله ما في التداول الاسيوي وكان عند تقريبا حوالي اذا بدنا نقول 32770 دولار مثل ما شفنا ان عمله البيتكوين لفتره طويله جدا كانت بارتفاع وصلت لل40000 50000 بعدين حتى وصلت ل 60000 وكنا نحن كلياتنا بانتظار انه تصل ولحاجز ال 100000 دولار ولكن نزلت وصار فعلا مثل ما ذكرنا في نزوح كبير في عمله البيتكوين لتصل الى 32000 دولار فقط ونحكي عن الدوله اللي آه عم تدرس موضوع العملات الرقميه وتحديدا عمله البيتكوين حيث اكد رئيس السلفادور نجيب ابو كيله امس انه رح يرسل مشروع قانون الى البرلمان الاسبوع المقبل من اجل سن تشريع بيجعل عملة البيتكوين المشفرة عملة قانونية في الدولة الواقعة بأمريكا الوسطى لتصبح هي أول دولة في العالم تتبع هذا النهج وأعلن أبو كيلة عن هذه الخطوة في رسالة مسجلة مسبقا تم نشرها خلال مؤتمر بيتكوين 2021 في ميامي وخلال عرض تقديمي استضافه أيضا جاك مولرز مؤسس شركة سترايك للمحفظة الرقمية وقال من خلاله أنه رح يرسل الأسبوع المقبل إلى الكونغرس مشروع قانون رح يسجل البيتكوين مرخصة قانون في السلفادور واضاف ايضا انه على المدى القصير رح يوفر وظائف ورح يساعد ايضا على اتاحه الشمول المالي للالاف خارج الاقتصاد الرسمي وقال من خلال هذا العرض التقديمي انه اكثر من 70% من السكان في السلفادور ليس لديهم حساب في البنك وليسوا ضمن النظام المالي وقال انه طلبوا منه المساعده على كتابه مشروع القانون وانه عم ينظروا الى البيتكوين كعمله عالميه وهن حاجة ليضعوا معا خطة بيتكوين لمساعدة هؤلاء الأشخاص وتقدر منظمة العمل الدولية أنه ستة من كل عشر أشخاص في السلفادور بيعيشوا من الاقتصاد الغير رسمي في البلاد فرح تكون هي 
غالبا اول دوله بتعتمد العمله الرقميه المشفره البيتكوين كعمله قانونيه ومثل ما ذكرنا سابقا انه كل مالنا عم نشوف المؤسسات الشركات وحتى مثل ما عم نشوف الان الدول عم تعتمد العملات الرقميه وفعلا عم تتداولها سواء كان بشراء الامور وغيرها سبق وذكرنا انه مثلا تويتر كانت عم تدرس خطه انه توصل الرواتب لموظفيها عن طريق عمله البيتكوين ايضا تسلا لفتره قصيرة من الزمن خلينا نقول كانت معتمدة عملة البيتكوين ولكن الآن عم بتفكر بعملة أخرى أكثر صديقة للبيئة تكون لحتى يتعاملوا فيها بشراء سيارات تسلا مثلا باي بال أيضا تتعامل بيتكوين وغيرها من الشركات الأخرى اللي كلهم صاروا ينظروا لموضوع العملات الرقمية والبيتكوين كوسيلة للتداول وحتى الشراء والبيع أيضا نحكي عن عملة الإثيريوم اللي أيضا عم تتراجع تراجعت عملة الإثيريوم بسعر 2494 يعني 10% على الصعيد اليومي ولتسجل أعلى نسبة تراجع منذ وقت طويل كما وأن التحرك عم نشوفه نحو الأسفل دفع قيمة إثيريوم السوقية أيضا للانخفاض لتوصل ل 297 مليار دولار أو إذا بدنا نقول تقريبا 19 يعني أو 19.49% من مجمل القيمة السوقية لسوق العملات الافتراضية حيث كانت أعلى القيم السوقية لعملة إثيريوم تصل إلى 479 مليار دولار وتداولت عملة الإثيريوم 618 دولار وبين أيضا 2493 دولار في نطاق عم نشوفه خلال ال 24 ساعة الأخيرة وعلى المدار الأيام السبعة الماضية وفي الأسبوع الماضي تم مشاهدة الإثيريوم عند هبوط أيضا من حيث القيم وبنسبة تغير خسرت بنسبة كبيرة أيضا كثيرا أما حجم عملة إثيريوم تداول أيضا في ال 24 ساعة الأخيرة عند 31 مليار دولار تقريبا في المئة من مجمل حجم العملات الرقمية وتم التداول في نطاق ما بين 2493 دولار وحتى 2889 دولار خلال الاسبوع الماضي، مثل ما عم نشوف تقلبات كثيره في سوق العملات الرقميه، لذلك بعد الفاصل رح يكون معنا الرائد في عالم الكريبتو والعملات الرقميه هنري هو الشريك ورئيس التشفير في شركه بي دبليو سي وايضا استاذ في جامعه هونغ كونغ، فخليكم معنا ولا تروحوا لبعيد لنعرف عن كل اخبار العملات الرقميه و أسباب هذه التذبذبات And we're back with our guest in Smashy Crypto, Henry Arslanion. Did I pronounce it right? You always pronounce it great. <laughs> the Armenian names, you know, you know what I mean. It means son of, and Ars means lion. So here oh, we go. Wow. Very relevant for crypto. Amazing. We have the crypto guru with us today, PWC crypto leader and a partner as well. Welcome to the show and thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. So first of all, what's happening in the crypto market right now? Can you explain to us? in depth because like Bitcoin has dipped to 32K. So can you tell us more, please? Well, absolutely. I mean, I think for anybody who doesn't like volatility, crypto is definitely should not be involved. Uh, but obviously there's been a very interesting last couple of weeks. I think there's two, three big elements that are into play. 
here. One of them on the retail side, there's been obviously a lot of uncertainty, a lot of volatility, and especially for those that are just entering the crypto space, uh, that is obviously quite uh, challenging. However, at the same time, I think it's very important to understand there's been very important developments going on on the institutional side with some of the large investor financial institutions entering the space. Literally over the last couple of weeks, we had Standard Charter announce that they're going to launch in the crypto brokerage business. Uh, we know we had banks like Morgan Stanley on the private bank side. We had DBS. We just issued their first security token. Uh, and also we had, so really when it comes to a lot of the uh, asset management sector, financial institution sector, institutional sector, there's been quite a lot of activity going on. And of course, uh, on the policy side as well, there's been some developments. Last but not least was even El Salvador. Yes. Let's say that it's looking at uh, recognizing Bitcoin as legal tender. So a lot of market activity. That being said, yes, there's been a lot of price pressure uh, recently on Bitcoin and other markets, but I think there's a lot of, uh, we have to look beyond the price and some of these big macro developments that have taken place that are quite interesting and in the longer term have probably a more meaningful impact as well. Amazing. What do we tell the people, the small investors who are investing, panicking every time they open their uh, app and they see it in red? Uh, absolutely. And this is uh, you know, a very important point you mentioned. Uh, I'm very happy you raised it because I think it's a, uh, one thing that's important when you are uh, trading cryptocurrencies, the first thing is education. You know, I tell this to a lot of my students. I teach crypto university. I write books about crypto. And really the most important thing I tell people is before you put a penny into cryptocurrency, make sure that you spend some time learning about crypto, Le listening to shows like yours or on my YouTube page, for example. There's a lot of free content that is available because the, what's important there is actually uh, it's you may love Bitcoin, you may hate Bitcoin, you may like crypto, you may hate Bitcoin, uh, you may hate crypto. I think you have this intellectual duty to try to understand what it is and what is the impact it can have on the future of finance. And once you've done that, I think that obviously you should not invest more than you can actually afford to lose. And I think, but if you do these two things, uh, you will get more comfortable, you discover the benefits, and then you can start going more in depth. The please, the one thing I say that I mentioned to people, do not buy a coin like a dogecoin or anything like that because you see somebody your friend talk about it or you see somebody on social media or anything please make sure you do your homework like you would for any anything else it bothers me that i see people now spend more time on reading the review of a restaurant before buying a sandwich so than actually do on bit cryptocurrencies so please if you had the same level of diligence before you buy a shawarma please make sure you do it before you buy a cryptocurrency I love it. I'm going to make a quote out of this. <laughs> it's so true, though, because now we were talking even before, like the youth conversation has changed. Everyone is talking about crypto now, which is great. But at the same time, don't get the peer pressure that my friends are investing in crypto. So I have to right now and they're investing in those coins. So I'll do as well. Don't join the flow just for going with the flow. Doing the homework, I think, is super important. But can you give us more tips for early investors, people who have an amount of money and they're considering it like as if it's dead, it's not there. What do they do with it? Well, first of all, you should never consider any amount of money dead because you never know what could happen with it. But often my advice to first comers uh, who are entering the crypto space is, first of all, after you've done your homework, after you've done education, you put the money you afford to, you afford to lose. And obviously start with some of the major coins. I'm still amazed that I see people will enter the crypto space and their first currency they bought is, is a Dogecoin and one of the millions of altcoins out there. Uh, I think whether you like it or not, the first entry point, as often I would recommend people to just buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, some of the coins are been there, established, there's liquidity, uh, there's communities around. And afterwards, you, you may decide to go into more uh, alternative coins that are out there in the market. But really, as a start, I think that's often uh, the, 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 way, the way to go. Because also for practical reasons, um, you know, unfortunately, when you're entering the space like anything new, uh, there's obviously chances of, of, of scams, 
of fraud. Yeah. To this day, unfortunately, every day I have followers reaching out to me uh, where they've been a victim of a, of, a, of a certain scam. The most common that I see is a tax scam where the, you, you traded a certain, uh, sorry for the term, a shit coin, mm. but a certain exchange. And finally, when you want to redeem your money, they tell you, no, you got to prepay taxes, which obviously, obviously, freak and fraud. And this is one that I'm seeing a lot. And the, probably the most dangerous is I'm seeing a lot of individuals, uh, they, they get approached by these, uh, again, random exchanges where they ask them to download a certain app and get them access to their laptop. Oh, remotely. wow. Again, please be careful. This is stuff that I'm seeing a lot. There's one thing to lose whatever amount that you can afford to lose. Second is actually when you're getting your account device or whatever compromised by these bad actors. Like any industry, like any other industry, there's a lot of great people building the future finance, the future money, and trying to share this knowledge and our passion for the future money, including yourself, Allah. At the same time, uh, there's unfortunately bad apples like any other industry who are trying to take and make a quick buck of the situation. And unfortunately, it is what it is, but they are, I don't think we're going to get rid of them anytime soon. 100%. Okay, uh, Henry, can we discuss Elon Musk's tweets and how they're affecting the market? Because everyone is asking about it. Some people are pissed, some people are excited. So, yeah. No, of course, Elon Musk. First of all, I've never met Elon Musk. I've never had any interaction with him in, in, in person. What I would say, from again, from what I see publicly of him, he's somebody as an, I admire as an entrepreneur, as a visionary, and some of the bold ideas that, frankly, I think many of us, including myself, probably wouldn't think even is possible. Now, I think uh, when his reaction that he has on, on, on Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies uh, more broadly, I think it's very childish. I think some of the reactions he's made, the comments he's made, uh, frankly, you would never do this in a traditional financial sector space. And I think this is kind of the behavior that actually makes the crypto industry look bad. Ironically, the vast majority of people in the crypto space are actually more sophisticated, more knowledgeable on crypto. And But unfortunately, it kind of gives the industry a bad name. Like any other industry, there's always one or two uh, individuals or personalities that kind of have a certain uh, outsized impact on the perception of that industry, not necessarily in the industry, on the perception of that industry. And unfortunately, I think that's what Elon Musk is doing. What I would love to do if Elon Musk, if I had the chance to be with him, I would actually recommend them or actually uh, uh, encourage him to use his influence, to use his voice and to use his notoriety to highlight some of the benefits of cryptocurrencies and the impact they can play on the future of money. For example, the role it can play on financial inclusion, the role it can play as a wealth preservation, or even as a, as, as a hedge against currency devaluation or some of the events that we even saw, unfortunately, recently, this, uh, lately in the Middle East, in, yeah. in, in Lebanon, for example, on wealth preservation, and also, frankly, also on some of the... Uh, the benefits can have a cross-border payments, for example, on that side. So I really wish uh, that could happen. I'm, 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 I think Elon Musk is a very smart individual, and I, I'm really hopeful that one day he will kind of uh, not control himself, which is more difficult, but let's say be, use his channel and his voice in a more uh, uh, probably impactful and uh, sustainable way that it is, I would say, right now. But a lot of people are asking, how can one individual affect the prices of a market? Uh, it's actually a very, very good point to raise, Ahala, because I think you're right. Some, uh, uh, you may argue, if, if one individual can move markets this much, then what does it say on the, on the, on the uh, institutionalization and the level of quality of the market? I would argue that actually gets a lot of the headline. Elon Musk will get a lot of the headlines, but actually a lot of the underlying activity we are seeing is actually driven by other vectors. 
We know whether the price of Bitcoin is Tesla. Yes, there's a lot of retail activity, uh, but also I think there's a lot of other macro elements going on from quantitative easing going on around the world to centrum institutional players to some of the, even the regulatory policy changes recently in China, for example, where not only there was some uh, uh, enforcement uh, uh, guidance that was given by various trade associations, but also at the FSEC level, which is part of the state council, kind of the crackdown on Bitcoin mining, which has obviously, I think, I think more impactful impact on the markets uh, frankly, that many people believe and also then probably Elon Musk as well. Exactly. And there are a lot of question marks about like the environment, how will it affect it and the mining? So can we talk about that? What do you think? What's your take on it, please? Uh, I, th I think we have to acknowledge in the crypto community that Bitcoin is not a green asset. It's yeah. not, we're not planting flowers. We're not planting trees here. Uh, that being said, I think the, the, the yes, the Bitcoin network today consumes as much electricity as the country of Ukraine, for example. However, I think we need to be a bit more objective and look at the facts on both sides. For example, yes, we are moving away from many coins and moving away from proof of work to proof of, proof of stake and many other coins actually use other consensus mechanisms that are not as electricity consuming. Uh, second, I think also we have to acknowledge that the, the uh, opportunity that Bitcoin mining, for example, despite having proof of work, can, can do, for example, in the development of renewables. Around the world, we often forget that actually Bitcoin miners are buyers of last resort. They're able to turn on and off the, the machines and also they can be located anywhere in the world, which gives them the big opportunity actually to buy and make some of sustainable, some of these renewable projects that we have around the world. Because as you all know, uh, there's a lot of demand for electricity in the morning and at night. And during the day, actually, this, this is a time where these, these renewable energy can be actually bought, bought by some of these uh, uh, Bitcoin miners, for example. A uh, second thing also, I think it's very um, important that we acknowledge that we have to compare apples with apples. Yeah. In this case, we have to compare Bitcoin with gold. Yes. Uh, many people don't realize that, for example, an average wedding ring, I don't have it myself, but produces about 20 tons of, of waste. A Bitcoin, a gold mining today, in many regards, produces about is 50 times more polluting than Bitcoin mining. Yes, it's obviously the industry is about 10 or 15 times bigger, but I think we have to be acknowledged. I've seen a lot of people now suddenly uh, wake up, think about the environmental impact of Bitcoin mining, but they're very happy to buy gold or have a wedding ring or stuff like that. So I think we have to be acknowledged that. That being said, I think as a crypto community, I'm very happy to see how the crypto community has kind of rallied over the last couple of weeks. Now that a lot of the Bitcoin miners now are trying to, to become more renewable, they're trying to become more green. There's a number of industry uh, initiatives as well. Today, according to Cambridge University in Kala, 72% uh, of Bitcoin miners use some kinds of renewable in their mining. Uh, in many parts of the world, including the US, Scandinavia, others, actually there's vast majorities renewables. Yes, I think we have to correct that in China, uh, especially in the, in the dry season, uh, yes, there was a lot of uh, hydroelectricity, which is renewable, but also there was a lot of uh, coal mining that was happening, especially in Xinjiang and other parts of China. I think this is one of the things I think with the, out, with the outflow from China, uh, I think the percentage of renewables being used, I, I'm pretty convinced will go up as well over the next couple of months. 100%. And I think it's a good point to raise as well. It's raising awareness. So people are taking it into consideration right now. And I've read something about green Bitcoin as well. They're working towards that. So that's good to hear. Yeah, but it's also difficult. I think we have to acknowledge as well, we should yeah. not kid ourselves either, because let's say uh, the reality, the way Bitcoin mining works today works in pools. So uh, unless you have, and it's a pool, is uh, you're as uh, green as the, less green of the, of the yeah. members of the pool. <laughs> so I think we have, to, we have to be honest and acknowledge that, yes, if even if that's the case, uh, you know, uh, there's still a lot of work to be done. Again, I commend what's been happening in the crypto community. It's been very great. I think traditionally we used to have a very nonchalant approach in the crypto community, disregarding this crypto mine, you know, this as attacks against Bitcoin mining. I'm happy now we're having this debate. Yeah, we're discussing exactly. it. 
And we're taking proactive steps to amend it, which is a very, very good step forward. Exactly. Uh, so Bitcoin, we were so excited that it will reach 100K and we were debating like when it's going to hit that 100K, but now it's 32. So when do you think it will hit the 100? <laughs> Uh, actually, frankly, I think uh, focusing too much on the price, mm. I think it's more noise. It's great, obviously, for news channels. But yeah. I think uh, if you're looking at the maker industry, I look at other elements. For example, I look at the, the entry of institutional players. I look at the countries with regulatory clarity because I believe these have a bigger outsized impact on the ecosystem. That being said, I think that uh, there's obviously uh, we have to look at the price and have price targets as well. I'll give you a very good example. Uh, last week at the, at the PwC, Elwood and AMA released their third annual crypto hedge fund report. And the median uh, of when, when, they were, when over 100 crypto hedge funds were asked for their price prediction on December 31st, 2021, the median prediction was 100,000 US dollars as well. Uh, and also actually interestingly as well, the, the, the predicted uh, market cap of crypto was between two to $5 trillion as well. Uh, I think it also depending how you look at it, whether you look at the stock to flow uh, ratios, whether you look at usage ratios, I think there's a lot of merit to think that actually uh, there's a lot of, there's still upside for Bitcoin left uh, as our crypto hedge fund report just had a couple of days ago. 100%. And there are some good numbers that we're reading. Like I went through something and I read um, 1.7 billion adults in the, ro- uh, in the world are without uh, bank accounts. 1.1 yep. 1 billion of them have phones. So Bitcoin can solve that. What do you think? Uh, I think I think we have to think the financial inclusion issue, which you mentioned, is actually a big problem that we've had for some time. I remember my first TED talk, the TEDx talk that I gave in 2016. I mentioned that how fintech was trying to tackle that. Actually, it is happening. Fintech more broadly has been making more people from being unbanked to being banked. And by the way, there's not a problem problem in emerging markets. In many developed countries, we have a problem with people unbanked. Cities like Miami or Detroit, up to 20% of households are unbanked today, Mm -hmm. which is a crazy problem. Uh, And obviously, this is obviously something that that the uh, fintech more broadly, including cryptocurrencies, can can solve. Because you're right, if anybody has a phone, you can have a digital wallet in there, and that obviously can allow you to actually use it in the same way that you use your physical wallet uh, from that perspective. Now, what is going to be the catalyst? I think some of the developments that we have seen, for example, with uh, with uh, El Salvador, for example, using uh, making as a legal tender, that actually can uh, make it um, uh, people actually the way they're they're presenting it could be as a store of value as there's currency devaluation and and inflation hyper potential hyperinflation. However, where I think this could be play a big role is that especially when we move to central bank digital currencies, yeah. where actually we can have digital currency issued by the central bank that allows literally people to hold in their phone central bank money uh, in the same way that they can hold a cash money today and i think that's actually a big 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 deal because not only government can then send money to the people if they need like in cases of COVID, for example if you want to kickstart the economy we can put interest rates directly on the money so i think cbdc's especially when it comes to financial inclusion as it comes to people who have a smartphone but don't have a bank account is we're really at the early stages and that's very very exciting not only for crypto, but I think for society and humanity as a whole. 100%. I saw as well, you reminded me a story in the Miami uh, 2021, and it had like fake dollars all over the place. And they're like, see, like this harms the environment, but Bitcoin might, so all cryptocurrencies in general might help that. So I love Absolutely. those arguments, to be honest. And I love that we're raising them a lot. Um, so one of the things also I would like to talk about are NFTs. Where do you think NFTs? will go in the future where are we going to see them absolutely the NFTs are a very very exciting topic i think nfts are here to stay uh, whether again some people may think it's a hype it's not a hype the reality it's here to stay i mean the data sleep speaks for itself 
on January 1, 2021, literally at the beginning of the year, it was less than 25,000 people using NFT platforms a week. Uh, last couple of weeks, we were over half a million Whoa. weekly active users a week on NFT platforms. Of course, a big, a big chunk of this was NBA Top Shots, uh, was some of the activity we've seen from the Beeple news of uh, selling its record uh, uh, piece of art at $69 million to some of the other, from CryptoPunks to others have been in the market. The reality is this actually gives a lot of opportunities. I think I'm very optimistic on the potential it gives to artists. For example, the potential it gives on solving problems that we've had for a long time on provenance, on traceability. And by the way, we're thinking about art, about digital collectibles, but this is bigger. Think about land titles. I mean, just across the Middle East, how many countries we have issues with land titles today. Oh, yeah. We have to pay lawyers and stuff to try to find a land title if you can. Uh, again, this really opens up a whole new world of opportunities uh, on, that, on that perspective. So I think there's a net positive. I think we're going to go through cycles again, as we, as we always do. Uh, but I think NFTs are here to stay. I'm very optimistic on the potential it brings. Uh, actually, and this is a great example of how crypto can, can, will enable the other, you know, uh, hundreds of millions of people entering the digital asset space and by something as simple as NFT. So very, very excited about it. Exactly. But we're hearing a lot of people like the disaster girl meme that was sold and things like that. And even the investors in crypto, uh, which is has some people are scared of getting rich fast through that. So it's a bit of a risk. So tell us more. What do you tell those people who think like through NFTs or those new concepts? I'm not, I'm not sure anybody is uh, is worried about becoming uh, too rich fast. Exactly. But I that people are worried about the that there's a lot of high speculation and hype in the system, and that's absolutely the case. I mean, unlike Bitcoin, for example, we should not forget NFT is what makes a non fungible token is that it's a unique token. So, for example, today if I have these two one dollar bills, they're fungible. If I give you this one or this one, you don't care as long as they're one dollar. Yeah. Same thing with a Bitcoin. If I give you one Bitcoin or Bitcoin, you don't care. They're both fungible. But NFTs, they're each one of them is unique. Which, of course, when it comes to price discovery and liquidity, obviously brings a lot of challenges. In the same way that if tomorrow morning you want to sell a Picasso painting, uh, there's not that many buyers of Picasso, and obviously how you determine the price, uh, you know, there's not many, that many transactions. So I think I think people have to be very careful if you're buying an FT. In the same way, by the way, if you're buying art, you know, just buy something that you love and you enjoy. For example, I recently bought an FT from an Armenian artist, uh, being of Armenian background, and it was very interesting. What I found very interesting with that with that painting, apart apart of being very beautiful, was actually that whenever I sell that painting, the artist for the lifetime of that the painting will have a, a, a royalty of seven point five percent. Nice, which I found is great. So in a way, uh, I've always had issues personally with these art galleries that control the market, control the price. There's a lot of opacity. And I'm very happy that this one vertical that we have uh, now on, on, for the artists, which is very, obviously very important, not only uh, for the art world, but also across the Middle East as well. I'm very happy to see that this could be something that could be used. This is why actually I have to say, especially with uh, across the, the, the Middle East region, the GCZ, I've been hopeful that events like these, as these are in regions where we have high mobile penetration, where we have, you know, we're very knowledgeable. There's a lot of history of art and culture. NFTs can be potentially good a way uh, to get more people into the digital asset bandwagon. So very excited to see how this moves forward over the next couple of months in the region. Yeah, and even on the long term, I've been hearing a lot from people who are saying like NFT will be the way we're gonna even buy tickets for concerts and things like that in the future. Why not? If you think about it, why do we have a physical ticket and what can, what can not be an NFT? I'm sure there's a lot of people, let's say if you go to your... Uh, uh, favorite singer's uh, concert, and you would love to have that tickle be tradable. There's a value in that, you know? And imagine if you went to the first concert, I don't know, of your favorite band, <laughs> that ticket has a certain value to it. So I think this allows it to be not only traceable, authentified, uh, but also tradable. 
It yeah. provides liquidity, which is something I think that's interesting. And frankly, that's why I'm, when I was saying we're at the early stage of the whole NFT movement, this is another great example of that. Yeah. And we would like to also talk before we end our amazing interview today with about your uh, YouTube channel which you give a lot of knowledge there as well, and you have a version of it in Arabic. So can you tell us more about your YouTube channel and why did you choose to have one in Arabic? Well, of course, a uh, great question. Uh, I think obviously I've been one of my, uh, part of my day jobs where I run the crypto business like WC, I obviously publish books. I'm a professor at university. For example, I I've been teaching the first FinTech university course in the world in Hong Kong since 2015. So there's obviously education has been very important. I, I spend a lot of my time on creating educational content because I believe that it's unacceptable that in 2021, we still let the students graduate in high school, people graduate university with no courses on FinTech and yes. even more no courses on crypto, yes. when this is actually the generation that will be the most impacted from it. And we've seen in our region, we saw what happened in Lebanon. I know that we see these events are happening where I think we have to have an impact. So obviously if I have a lot of different channels, I have a LinkedIn, which is my main channel where I have half a million followers, where I have weekly content, have my show called The Crypto Capsule, which is a 60 second summer of the global crypto trends that people need to know. I'm on Twitter where I post regularly. I have my books. I have my newsletter every Sunday, which is called The Future of Money on LinkedIn as well, where people can subscribe. But YouTube, I would say for the Middle East region has been for me, I believe, uh, uh, obviously a platform that I quite believe in, but also where I want, I want to make sure we have the content in Arabic. I'm very obviously, um, uh, my, my, my family has been, uh, I'm Armenian background, but we've been in the in Middle East for, for, for generations, I have to say. And I really believe that one of the regions has the most potential today, globally, yeah. on uh, using this technology is the, is the broader Middle East and the broader GCC. And the reasons being, when new technologies like these come, it's a level playing field. And any region or country or city even, has a chance to be a leader in the space. And I think this gives a tremendous opportunities uh, for many parts of, of the region who are actually embarking on their completely uh, looking at the future. And this was for me was very important to actually have all my content translated to Arabic. So I'm very proud to say, uh, by the way, it's not only in Arabic, it's also in French now we have it, we have it in Chinese wow. and obviously in English, but Arabic for me has become very important. And I, um, the commitment that I made for many people in the region, both central banks, regulators, and also the most important, the public, your listeners, is that all of my content moving forward will be available in Arabic. And I think this is very important because uh, the first step for uh, to, to, to benefit from the opportunities provided by the future of money and the future of finance is education. And I think that one of the barriers, I really believe that who you are or languages you speak should never be a barrier to who you can become. And this is why I made a commitment that all my content will be in Arabic. And actually, I, I would love to see actually other um, content creators, other influencers do the same as well, by the way. Uh, you know, I think we have this moral duty to educate as many people as we want. And I think the Middle East region is very important. So thank you very much for Hala for that. I look forward to spending more time with your listeners, with your viewers, and also being the region more often as well. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with us, Henry, PwC Crypto Leader. And seriously, we really enjoyed our interview and we'll definitely hopefully have you in the studio with us next time. No problem. Always a pleasure being back in Dubai. And shukran. Thank you very much for, <laughs> for having me. Thank you, guys. Shukran to all the people who have been following us. We'll see you in the next episode of Smashy Crypto. And have a good